1: Bar. To cheat the government out of its taxes is to rob the Lord. You're not just robbing the officials, and you are. You're stealing from them. You're st- they've given service. We are to pay for service. That's why you'll find in verse eight of Romans 13. That's the natural transition. Paul says, "Oh, nothing to anyone except to love them. Don't have a debt." We, we are to pay for services rendered. It is morally wrong to accept a service and not pay for it. That's what would happen if you try to cheat the government out of taxes. And worse than that, you are cheating the Lord. That's why Malachi 3.10 speaks about taxes. And he, and he says, you have robbed me. I said, where have we robbed you? We haven't robbed you. Yeah, you have robbed me. You haven't paid me. And that's my plan for paying the government officials. And you pay your taxes accurately. You're you're giving to the work of God.
2: I just looked at an IRS website that deals with tax fraud. The list of crimes and punishments seems almost endless. Even so, according to IRS surveys over the past several years, most Americans, around 86%, think that it is totally unacceptable to cheat on your taxes. And about the same percentage say that it is the taxpayer's personal integrity that keeps him or her from cheating and not the fear of being reported or audited. On the other hand, various estimates put the rate of tax cheating among those who employ babysitters, housekeepers, and some health aides at 80 to 95 percent. Why the discrepancy? I know this sounds like circular reasoning, but according to the president of a company that deals with such issues, the prevailing attitude of people in the situation is, why should I pay for something that no one else pays for? We will see that the Bible answers that exact question on today's Verse by Verse. This is Peter Silseth, and I'm glad you could join us today. Pastor Steve Kreloff will be concluding a series of lessons on the Christians' response to government. Our main text is Romans chapter 13. But in our last class, Pastor Steve had read the story in Matthew of Jesus sending Peter to go catch a fish and remove the money that he would find in the fish's mouth so that Jesus could pay his taxes. Let's let Pastor Steve continue his lesson right there.
1: Don't we wish that finding money was, tax money was this easy today? It's it's not. But uh, the point of this is that we ought to pay taxes. We ought to pay taxes. Jesus did, and he said, we, we, don't, we don't want them hung up on this, that, you know, I don't pay taxes. They'll miss the whole point of my ministry. No, lest they be offended, we're going to pay it. Jesus paid his taxes, and we should too. But someone may argue at this point, say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Steve. This tax was an Old Testament temple tax. We're not under the law anymore. The temple doesn't even exist. Old Testament has passed away in the sense of the law, and our taxes don't go to support a theocracy like Israel anymore. We are involved in a secular government. Is there a New Testament support for paying taxes to a government that is not believers in a true sense? Well, yes, that's Matthew chapter 22. And you need to turn there. And we looked at this a few weeks ago. We dealt, this is the one that deals with the Pharisees and the Herodians coming together. And it's a fascinating portion of Scripture. It says in verse 15, Then the Pharisees went and counseled together how they might trap him in what he said. The whole uh, intent of them coming to Christ is to trap him. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. They sent people who they thought Jesus wouldn't know with the Herodians. Now, the Pharisees never got along with the Herodians. They were miles apart, uh, politically speaking. The Pharisees did not believe in giving a certain tax to Rome. They were rebellious towards Rome. The Herodians were pro-Roman, but they got together on this issue because they all wanted to trap Jesus. And here's the trap. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you're truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one, for you are partial to no one. It, it, it just ekes of flattery. It's just trying to butter him up. They're saying true things, but I don't think they mean it. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? Now, they think they're going to trap Jesus. If Jesus says, uh, you, ought to, you ought to pay Rome, then the Pharisees say, Ah, He's a traitor. And no Jewish person is going to support him if they say you ought to pay this tax. If the, if the Lord says you, uh, you should not pay Rome, then the Herodians are there who are pro-Roman, and they'll report him to the authorities, and they might just kill him because they would see, think that he's an insurrectionist. So they think they've trapped him there. But what we didn't look at, at least not carefully, is this poll tax. In verse 17, is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? The Romans taxed the Jewish people, no question about it, but some of those taxes were really good. They, they had a number of taxes. They had a land tax. There was a, a 10% of, of grain and 5% of wine and oil. There were custom taxes for transporting goods. There was an income tax of 1%, but there was a poll tax. The Jewish people could stomach All of the other taxes, because they were for services rendered. They were for police protection. They were for a whole water system Rome had put in. A number of things like that. They were for beneficial things. And the Jewish people kind of stomached that, but they could not handle a poll tax. Because the poll tax was a census tax. Just because you were alive, you were breathing, they taxed you for existing under Roman authority. And the Jewish people did not want to be under anyone's authority. They said, we belong to God not Rome. And every time they had to pay this tax, it was one more. It was just like a knife being stuck in you and said, listen, you are a people enslaved to us. And so they hated that. They rebelled against it. It's very interesting. In Acts chapter 5, verse 37, remember Gamaliel, who gets up and he says he says this. He says, look, the the apostles are creating a fuss. They're preaching the gospel. The Jewish leaders don't want to hear it. And uh, Gamaliel gets up and says, look, Well, well, I'll tell you, look, let's turn to it and so you'll see it for itself because it's great. Camillo gets up. And he says in verse 35, men, take care of what you propose to do to these men. Let's not be too quick about it. For some time ago, Thutius rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined him with him. And he was slain, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. So there was a man who rose up. Everybody followed him. It's a big deal. And he said, I think this is the same way with this Jesus, and so just let him be. It'll come to nothing. But verse 37 is interesting. After this, man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished and all those who followed him were scattered. He said there was a time remember, and I think this is about 6 AD, he said when a man by the name of Judas of Galilee rose up and you know why he rose up? Because of this very tax, the census tax he led a revolt against Rome and you know what happened? He died. And everybody who followed him died. But the point that I want you to see is that even back then, the Jewish people had a problem with it. There was a, There was always rebellion about this census tax. In fact, Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that the very fall of Jerusalem when Titus and the Roman Legion marched in in 70 AD stemmed from this issue of taxation. 66 AD, it started the revolution. This tax, this was a burning issue. And so they come to Jesus to trap him on this very thing. So what did Jesus say? Well, he called them in verse 18 hypocrites. And then he said in verse 19, show me the coin used for the poll tax. And then in verse 20, he said, who do you see on it? And they saw Caesar. You know what he said? In verse 21, Then give it to him. It belongs to him. Give it to Caesar. Pay your taxes. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give God the things that are God. Pay Caesar his taxes and give God yourself. That's what he's saying. He, he recognized that there are two authorities. I mean, there's really one authority, but God has delegated authority to Caesar. Who, by the way, I might add, claimed that he was the son of God. Can't get more blasphemous than that. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, what a horrible government. We, we're not going to give it to him. No, he just said, pay your taxes. The coin belongs to Caesar, give it to him. That's his. That's what you owe him. It's his. Belongs to him. Now, back to Romans chapter 13. If you understand that the payment of taxes is taught in the Old Testament, obeyed by Jesus in the New Testament, then it shouldn't come as a shock to you that in Romans 13.6, Paul says you have a moral obligation to pay your taxes. That is consistent throughout the biblical revelation. He says, for because of this, because of conscience sake, because of of being a moral, responsible person and a committed Christian, you also pay taxes. Why? Why would it be morally wrong and unethical to cheat on our taxes or not to pay them? Look at the rest of verse 6. For rulers, and here he gives us a reason, for rulers are servants of God. He has called them in verse 4, servants or ministers, but it's a different Greek word. Back in verse 4, it is the word we translate deacon, diakonon. This is a different word, and you wouldn't necessarily know this from just reading the English Bible. But this is a different word. This word, we get our word from, uh, we get the word liturgy, liturgical, and it speaks of religious service. It has religious implications. There is a sacredness attached to it. Angels are called this. They are called ministering spirits, sacred spirits. Spirits, religious spirits. So, what is, is Paul, Paul saying? Saying that government officials are serving God. They are ministers. They are not just deacons in a, in a general sense. They have a sacred responsibility. They discharge a God ordained duty. Now, these leaders may not even know Christ. They may be the worst reprobates on the face of the earth. But by serving a divine purpose, they do the work of God in society. They are not ministering the gospel, but they are ministering other things, beneficial things to society. In fact, the end of verse 6 says this, devoting themselves to this very thing. They devote themselves to this work. And what is their work? Basically, government officials punish evildoers, protect the innocent, and do beneficial things for society. Now, let me put it all together. This is very, very vital to our understanding. The reason that you and I are to pay taxes is because by doing so, we are supporting the work of God. May sound strange, but this is what the Word of God teaches. Because civil officials give themselves over to protecting you and helping you, you are to pay them for services rendered. It's a principle throughout Scripture the laborer is worthy of his hire. That is, ministers of the gospel, you support me because I give my time to ministering the Word of God. And if you didn't support me, I could not give my time over to doing that. We are also to pay our taxes because that supports ministers in government. And if we didn't pay our taxes, then they wouldn't have the time to build traffic lights and have fire departments and, have, and pay police officers and have things like the National Guard and things like this, things that in emergencies we're sure glad that they're there. The Levites in the Old Testament were supported by taxes, and our officials today are supported by taxes. See, civil authorities are paid by our taxes for services rendered. I'm certain that the woman who I sat next to on the airplane who said, I don't pay my taxes, that uh, if she had an emergency and called the police, I'm certain she wouldn't want to hear, oh, you didn't pay your taxes? Well, we're not coming out. Just this week, my dear precious son, sitting in the front row with five stitches in his head, was playing football. And uh, he went out for a pass with a neighbor and his son and smashed into a metal mailbox. And uh, we heard our daughter screaming, our son screamed, blood was gushing out in his eyes and his mouth. We didn't even know where it was coming from. Someone called the paramedics and they took care of him. He's, he's fine. He's uh, here today. He can, and, I, and I might add, by the way, that he held on to the ball. That's what I want to know when he was lying there. I did. I said, but what I want to know is, did you catch it? He said, yes. You know what I learned? I learned that the paramedics are supported by my taxes. I'm sure glad that they didn't come out and say, oh, did you not pay taxes this year? Or, or on the well, we have to check his records. It, listen, I paid for that, and I'm glad I did. To cheat the government out of its taxes is to rob the Lord. You're not just robbing the officials, and you are, you're stealing from them. You st- they've given service. We are to pay for service. That's why you'll find in verse 8 of Romans 13, that's the natural transition. Paul says, oh, nothing to anyone except to love them. Don't have a debt. We, we are to pay for services rendered. It is morally wrong to accept a service and not pay for it. That's what would happen if you try to cheat the government out of taxes. And worse than that, you are cheating the Lord. That's why Malachi 3.10 speaks about taxes. And he, and he says, you have robbed me. I said, where have we robbed you? We haven't robbed you. Yeah, you have robbed me. You haven't paid me, and that's my plan for paying the government's officials. You pay your taxes accurately. You're, you're giving to the work of God. Now, just as a footnote here, that doesn't mean that I don't want you to go out of here and think that you don't have to give to the Lord any other time. And I'm not here to, to tell you that you know, we need money and you are to get. I don't do that. But I just want you to know that that throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are two. Uh, there's a pattern for giving. Two ways of giving: required giving in the Old Testament, it was the tithe; that was the tax. In the New Testament, it is just taxes. But in the Old Testament, it also speaks about the love offering. They were to give out of love, purely out of love to the Lord. And in the New Testament, we give as God has blessed us, as God has purposed, as we have purposed in our heart, as God has led us. We give out of love and adoration. So don't think when you pay your taxes, I don't want you to go out of here thinking, I've done my responsibility, that's it. No, you're to give to the Lord through the church as well. But the point of this passage is to say that to not give is to cheat government officials and God. So we're morally responsible to pay. Our taxes. Now, having said that, Paul gave us the general principle. Now he just, and it's it's rather simple. In verse 7, he just tells us what to do with it. Now he tells us to obey this principle. Verse 7. Render to all what is due them. It's due them. Render. Give them. The thought here is that we have a debt to pay. Render. We're to pay back those that we owe. In other words, our taxes aren't a gift, we don't give gifts to the government in that sense. So don't, don't get upset when they say you owe taxes. That's what you owe. It's not a gift. You owe it. That's, that's the thought here. Render, it means pay back all that you owe them for services rendered. That, by the way, is, is why in the New Testament church we give love offering to the Lord, because it's not a moral responsibility. It's not a legal obligation. Taxes are, but a love gift is not. We're under grace, not law. So what do we owe them? Verse 7 says this, tax to whom tax is due. I think in some verses it says tribute, to whom tribute is due. It means tax. It's a personal and property tax, like our income tax. That's the equivalent. Pay it, he says. He goes on to say custom to whom custom. That's a sales tax, a duty or a sales tax. Imports or exports. The thought is, in other words, don't smuggle goods across borders. Pay a tax on it. But, you know, you can do that. And you can be accurate in your tax records and still be in sin. You know why? It's not enough to just say, well, I did that and it's over with. The Bible says we're to to have the right attitude. You can give taxes accurately but have the wrong attitude, and God is looking for attitude and motives. Look at the rest of verse 7. He says, Fear to whom fear and honor to whom honor. Respect and honor should also be paid along with the money. I read about a man who resented giving taxes. He addressed his tax form letter to the Infernal Revenue Service. <laughs> Next year, he still resented it. He addressed it to the Eternal Revenue Service. He says he has since repented of this. We're not to give with, with attitudes that are wrong. We're to give with respect and honor. Now, you might not agree politically with the men in office. That's not the issue here. You may not even like them, but you are to respect them. You are to honor them, if not for themselves, then for the position that they hold in authority. See, it's not enough to give our dollars. Our attitude is to be one of respect and honor. We're, we're not to have derogatory names towards police officers. You know what I mean. We're not to slander politicians. We're to be very careful. Honor them. I close with this. First Timothy 5.17 says this, Let the elders who rule well be worthy of, of double honor, you know what that double honor is? Financial is one. That's the, everyone agrees with that. What's the double honor? Respect is the second honor. That's what God is saying here. For for ministers and governments, we owe them a twofold sort of offering. Number one, give them your taxes. That pays their salaries. It pays for what they're doing. And number two, show them respect. And it all boils back. And it all gets back to Romans twelve one and 2. If you have a hard time with this, this is a good time of the year to do this. I didn't plan it this way. This is just God's plan, sovereign timing. But if you have a hard time with this, then, then your struggle is not so much with taxes. Your struggle is back in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Have you presented yourselves to the Lord? Have you said, Lord, you, you've got my wallet as well. You've got my checkbook. You've got me. I'll do what's right regardless I will present myself to you. I'll stop listening to what the world is feeding me and I will renew my mind of the word of God. Think about these things this week and you'll find that you have a renewed mind. And if you still have struggles with it, and you know it may be that you have to go back further than Romans chapter 12, go back to the beginning of Romans and see that perhaps you need to trust Christ. If obedience is such a hard issue to you, with the Lord, maybe it's because you've never been saved. Maybe you've never put your confidence in Christ. Maybe you've never believed that he died for your sins. You can do so today. You can, you can trust him as Savior today, right where you are. You can trust him in giving your life to him in the sense of commitment in Romans 12, right where you are. And we want you to be encouraged to do that. Let's bow for prayer. I don't know where you are spiritually, but I, I know that God wants you to make changes in your life if you need to. The Word of God has convicted you. Follow through on what he's, what he's saying to you. You don't have to walk an aisle or come forward, but we want to encourage you after the service. If you have a need, we want you to. Maybe you just need to come and pray. We have a room in back that you can pray. You, you can even come up now and just, just have prayer at the front, maybe in the front pew, just, just to spend time with the Lord. But we want you to know we're available to help you, counsel you, encourage you. Father, thank you that your word is so clear, so direct. And Lord, while it's, it's, there's nothing in the flesh that delights in paying taxes, there is something that when we're Christians, now that we understand that we have a moral responsibility to this, there is something that, that turns it paying taxes that is from the mundane to something that's, that's even joyful in the spirit, because we're, we're giving to the work of God. Lord, help us as Christians to have that testimony because we want to be different. We want to be like you want us to be. Help us to honor you with our finances and giving you love gifts as well. We thank you that your word speaks to the very practical issues of life, and we just pray that you help us to be obedient. For those here, Lord, that may not know Christ, draw them to yourself, that they might understand that he died for them, loves them, and invites them to trust him to be their Savior and to go to heaven. We pray all of this, Lord, in your Son's name. Amen.
2: One writer said that when you go to a doctor for a checkup, he will begin poking and prodding, asking if it hurts. One of two things might happen. He might poke too hard, and that hurts. Or he may hit a spot where it's not supposed to hurt, and then we know we need some further testing. It's much the same with a sermon on financial responsibility the pastor may push too hard. And we certainly don't like that. But the pain may be because it's not supposed to hurt there. When that happens, it's time for a visit with the great physician. You have been listening to Verse by Verse and the Preaching Ministry of Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has just concluded a series of studies on the Christian's response to government. For more than 28 years, Pastor Steve has been teaching at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio lessons produced by Verse by Verse Ministries are extensions of that ministry. Verse by Verse is a faith ministry supported by our listeners. If God has been blessing you through these daily Bible classes, we hope you will prayerfully consider helping us keep them on the air. Here's Pastor Steve to tell you how to reach us.
1: I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened in your faith through the teaching you hear on Verse by Verse. We want to come alongside of you to help you. That's the ministry of Verse by Verse. Also, we want to help you to grow in Christ, to be more like Him, to uh, display the fruit of the Spirit, and to help you to be conformed to His image. If you've been blessed through Verse by Verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-239-0306. That's 727-239-0306. Visit us online at versebyverseradio.org. Thank you,
2: Pastor Steve. That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. To order a CD or a cassette with this entire three-part message, please call us at the same number Pastor Steve mentioned earlier. 727-239-0306. 727-239-0306. Another important ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel is Lakeside Christian School. If you live nearby, have school-aged children, and you want them to have a high-quality education with a biblical worldview, we think Lakeside is worth investigating. You can learn more at their website, lakesidechristianschool.org, or call them at 727 727- 461 3311. That's 727 461 3311. And I hope you'll join us for the start of another series on the next verse by verse. Faith Talk 570.